Welcome to the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is episode number 77. Today we are going to be talking about counterculture. Before we dive in, thanks as always. We hope that you listen to, subscribe, like this podcast, whatever, man. We just want to give you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We hope that you guys will support this podcast through listening. And also, if you're on the Anchor platform, there is a support this podcast button. You can smash that. We'd love for you to be a part of the Grace Point Daily team. And we want to keep upping our game and giving you great content. we got some great stuff coming down the pipe tomorrow. i got a couple episodes I'm going to be recording, a verse-by-verse episode. I have another Real Life Stories edition, and so awesome stuff coming up on the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Well, we're going to talk about counterculture. How many of you know that we live in a crazy culture? I, I, enough said, right? We have a ton of issues constantly being talked about in our country that affect us as believers in Christ, and it's a challenge. How are we going to respond to these topics and to these issues? I mean, man, when I go to the gym, there's the TVs on the screen there, and uh, they are you know, showing they they typically have news channels. And so you see Fox news and these other ones and the debates and the arguments and all these things. So what do we do? Do we be silent or how do we address these topics that we're not comfortable with? That's what I want to talk with you today about for a few minutes. The bottom line is that we have to live counter to the culture that we exist in today. I was challenged about this concept of living counter to our culture today after listening to a friend of mine. I want to give a shout out to Greg Walden. He listens to this podcast. He listens to the Modern Christian Dads podcast, which is another podcast I do. Check that one out. But he started a new podcast called Voice in the Modern Wilderness. I love that name, Greg. That's awesome, man. And his latest episode is touching on the subject of abortion. In the podcast, he gives his take on why we should be pro-life or anti-abortion in America. And I'm really grateful that he was willing to take a godly stance on that issue. And well, I mean, ideas and thoughts are changing, but I think if we live out God's word and take on the mindset of Christ and we value life and we ultimately become anti-abortion people, we can get into that. But I want to talk about that, living in this counter-culture how are we going to deal with some of these issues? And here's the thing. After I listened to Greg's podcast, I was like, man, I want to be bold. I don't want to hide in the corner. I don't want to be afraid of who I am and who I follow and my beliefs and all those kind of things. I mean, we have all these other people unashamed and uh, not afraid to speak their mind and speak what they believe. And then sometimes I feel like us Christians or pastors, leaders, etc., just in general, that we're kind of hiding in the corner and we're afraid to answer these questions or dialogue in regards to them. And I do think there's a balance and some things we need to consider and think about as we're engaging in these topics. But at the end of the day, we got to stand for truth. We got to stand for righteousness. We got to stand for Jesus because we are the followers of the one true God. And because of that, our commit the, the, that our commitment is going to look drastically different than a lot of people of this world. Guys, you have to remember the world is going to hate us, right? Jesus said this. He said, the world's going to hate you not because of you, but because of me and because of what I'm going to preach and the lifestyle and the challenge I'm going to put out there. And isn't this, after all, the main issue in our culture anyway? You know, we talk about poverty, sex trafficking, homosexuality, abortion, but you know what the real issue is? The real issue is God. That's that's the problem that we struggle with. And I want to turn you on to a really awesome resource, and this is where a lot of my thoughts are coming from. It's from a book called Counterculture by David Platt, and he wrote this book, Willing to Engage in a lot of these topics. And so this is going to be a multi-series. You won't see them all in a row, but this is Counterculture Part 1, 
probably going to be six or eight of them, and I hope you enjoy them and they encourage you. But w- let's shift our focus. The first thing we have to focus on instead of the issues is really on God, and that's the greatest offense. The greatest offense is the gospel and uh, against the culture. The gospel is the lifeblood of Christianity, and it provides the foundation for countering culture. So to counter this culture, we have to follow the gospel. For when we truly believe the gospel, we begin to realize that the gospel not only compels Christians to confront social issues in culture around us, the gospel actually creates confrontation with culture around within us. And I challenge you to do that. If you're not already in the word, go read through those gospels again and look how Jesus challenged the culture and the religion of the day. The gospel actually creates confrontation with our culture. The, the, again, the problem, there is a confrontation with our culture in regards to these issues. It starts with the gospel. It starts with God. And the gospel's offense begins with the very first word of the Bible, in the beginning, God. And you know what? If, if we can't establish that reality and that truth, it really is hard to confront and talk to a lot of other people in this world that don't want to acknowledge God. If I, me as a follower of Jesus, I have to acknowledge that there is a God and there is one true God. And that's that's a big confrontational issue right there in and of itself. And that's what we believe. I mean, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 20, it says, do you not know, have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. Because of all things begin with God and ultimately exist for God, nothing in all creation is irrelevant to him. So God, all these issues that we are talking about, that we're having debate with in the world, it all comes back to God. They're all relevant to God. And that's really the big struggle that we have, the the counterculture lifestyle that we have to live is because we acknowledge God, that there is one true God. A lot of people don't want to acknowledge that. They don't want to acknowledge that God is relevant to the discussion and to the debate, but he is. So I want to challenge you. There is a God. There is one true God. In the beginning, God, have you not heard? There's one God. That's what the Bible says. And so what is this creator like? Isaiah 43, 15 says, I am the Lord, your holy one, Israel's creator, your king. And so our God, you have to understand that our God is holy. Our God is perfect. There's no sin. There's no unrighteousness in God. God is absolutely pure and there's nothing wrong with him. Everything God is and everything God does is right. He is without error and without equal. There is no one like our God. And that's been saying before in many songs, but there's one God, pure, pure, perfect, holy, no one like him. This holy God is also good. All right. Psalm 145 verse nine says, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has has made. So yes, there is a God. This God is so big and vast and awesome and pure and holy and powerful. But guess what? He is good. God's goodness is evident from the start of scripture, God's word, where everything he creates, he called it good. I mean, read Genesis chapter one in the beginning, once again, right? He began to create things and he called them good, culminating in man and woman who he called very, very good. So God's goodness is expressed then in his justice. So number one, there's a God. Number two, that God is good. That God's 
goodness, the one true God's goodness is expressed in his justice. Psalm 70, uh, Psalm, excuse me, chapter seven, verse eight says, the Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, and grant me justice according to my righteousness and according to the integrity within me. Proverbs 17, verse five says, anyone who makes fun of the poor disparages his maker and those who celebrate another's misfortune will not escape certain punishment. And guess what? God is a perfect judge. I think about that a lot. I know that as a pastor, people ask me questions and be honest, I don't have all of them all the time because I am not God. Uh, But a lot of them are in terms of judgment, right? Is this person because of who they are, what they've done? Are they going to go to hell, et cetera, et cetera? And I'm so grateful that God is a perfect judge. And God's goodness is also, I mean, and, and that's a little bit scary when we talk about God being a judge and that he's going to judge us. But the beautiful part of God, see all these layers here, is that then God's goodness is also expressed in his grace. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord does not delay as though he were unable to act and is not slow about his promise as some count slowness, but is extraordinarily patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Because God is our creator. We belong to him, the one who created us owns us. I mean, a lot of people get such a horrible perspective of who God is. And we see people, number one, they don't acknowledge God, but then they think that God is this horrible judge that wants to just cast everyone into hell. But that is so far from the truth and so far from what God's word says. He wants to express his goodness and his goodness is given through his grace and his mercy because God is our creator. We belong to him, right? He, he owns us. We're his. The author of all creation possesses authority over all creation, including you and me. And we are accountable to him as our judge. One of the core truths of the gospel is that God will judge every person and he will be just in that judgment. So I'm grateful that I don't have to decide who goes to heaven, who goes to hell, et cetera, et cetera. God is a, is a perfect, just judge. So this puts us in a position where we desperately need his grace, right? If I'm going to be judged by God, then I need his grace and his mercy, which is totally available to me. Look at the opening pages of human history and you will see the ultimate problem of the human heart. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, in the amplified version, says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely, unconditionally eat the fruit from every tree of the garden, but only the tree of the knowledge, recognition of good and evil, you shall not eat. Otherwise, on that day, you will eat from it. You shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. So God has authority to define what is right and wrong, good and evil, based upon his pure and holy character. Remember, because there's there's a God, and that God is perfect. He is holy, and he has the authority to define what is right and wrong, good and evil. And that really is the problem today, is that we have really, I mean, the, the bottom line is that we have positioned ourselves in the place of God, and we have now began to define what is right and wrong. And we've challenged God, even like they began to do in the beginning. You know, well, why is that right? And why is that wrong? Why can't this be and good and evil? And we now in our humanity and our brokenness and our sin, we are now the ones trying to create the de- definition of good and evil, right and wrong. And it just doesn't work. Look at our culture. Look at our country. Do you think our defining 
morality and the things in this country? You think that's going well for us? I don't think so, right? God makes clear to man that he will be judged based upon his obedience to the command God has given. So how goes the created, so how does the created respond to the creator? Look at this, Genesis chapter three, verse one. It says, now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature of the field which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And look at uh, same chapter three, verses four and five. It says, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. It all begins when the command of God is reduced to questions about God, right? Is God really holy? Does he really know what is right? Is God really good? And that is what the enemy has done in our culture and began to infiltrate these questions about God. The serpent's question revolves around the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For the man and woman to eat from this tree was to reject God as the one who determines good and evil and to assume this responsibility themselves. That was the sin. That was the problem. That was the issue is that in that moment of taking the fruit, they rejected God as the one who determines that which is good and that which is evil. And they took that responsibility themselves. That's the issue. That's the problem. The temptation in the garden was to rebel against God's authority and in the process, make humans the arbiters of morality. Wow. When you, uh, Come on, think about this with me. Isn't that scary? Because that's what we're doing in our culture. That's what we're doing in this country is we are the ones who has essentially taking the position of God. And we've said, listen, God, you take a back seat because we're going to determine what's good and evil. We're going to determine what's right and wrong. And we, God, we got this. We're going to assume the responsibility ourselves. This is the problem. Uh, and if we don't fix this problem, who cares about, uh, I shouldn't say that. Let, let me pull back a second, because if I say this, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pull it out there. But if we don't establish this, take care of this God issue, then we're never going to be able to take care of abortion, homosexuality. We're just not. Those issues are not going to go away. We have to resolve the God issue. Come on, this is we got to resolve it because it is the sin of self. The sin of self is what we're dealing with. Guys, what we're dealing with is sin. You know, we're attacking at times abortion and homosexuality and we're attacking these issues. I'm not saying not talk about them or engage in debate, etc. But the problem is the sin of self. That's the problem. Evil is unfortunately inherent in all of us and therefore unavoidably a part of any culture we create. I mean, we talk about America. We talk about our culture, right? I'm American. Those of you that listen outside of America, but I guarantee every one of you that listen to the Grace Point Daily podcast that have listened to the Grace Point Daily podcast, you know what I best bet exists in every culture, including America? is sin. So whether it's United States, Sweden, United Kingdom, France, India, Japan, Netherlands, Belgium, Russia, you know, there's a problem in every one of those countries. Every one of those that are listening right now is that there is the sin of self. And though we have all been created by God, we have also been corrupted by 
sin, right? Romans chapter three, verse 12 says, all have turned aside together. They have become useless. There's no one who does good. No, not one. The problem of sin. The essence of what the Bible calls sin is the exaltation of self. God has designed us to put him first in our lives, others next, and ourselves last. But here's the problem once again. Yet sin reverses. Here's what sin does. It it reverses that order where we put ourselves first, others next, and God somewhere in the distant background. We turn from worshiping God to worshiping self. And shout out again to Greg Walden talking about the issue of abortion. And I've seen this on the news, etc. When you're talking about women's rights, you know what they're doing? They are putting themselves first over that baby. That that's what they're doing. They're like, hey, it's my body. It's my right. What are we doing? That That is the essence of the sinful nature. When we put ourselves first, that's exactly what sin does. And so we turn from worshiping God and we start to worship ourselves. And it's all about us, 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 us. The tragedy in all of this is that our constant quest to satisfy ourselves, we actually become slaves to sin. And we think we're being free, right? We think by having our rights, oh, we're 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 going to have freedom, and yet we're now slaves to sin. That's exact, guys. Come on, read it in Genesis in the beginning. That's exactly what happened. Is that they thought when they took of that apple of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they thought there was going to be more freedom. They thought it was going to be better, and they put themselves in the place of God. They put themselves first, and you know what happened? In that moment, they became slaves to sin, slaves to themselves. And in the end, we are all guilty of rebellion against God. Man, we are going to be diving into this in a multi-part series about living counterculture to the world. And I just don't want to be afraid. I'm I'm doing this little series because I don't want us to be afraid to stand up in our culture, no matter what's happening, no matter what our culture says, and to stand for God and to stand for the truth of God. And I'll talk about that more and more. And I'm, I'm not the guy who wants to be unloving. I'm not the guy who's going to hold san, uh, signs and do pro- protests. I'm not going to do those things. I mean, I was a part of a church one time that did that kind of stuff all the time. And and to be honest, it wasn't my thing. I don't want to say it turned me off. It just wasn't, it wasn't for me. But I'm talking about, you know, I want to be unashamed of my faith. I want to be, if a reporter comes up, if someone who listens to this very podcast says, Jeremiah, do you believe in homosexual, homosexual lifestyle? I want to say, well, I don't. And I don't believe that God's word acknowledges that as a productive, valuable lifestyle for anyone, anyone, any country, any tribe, tongue, language, etc. I don't want to be afraid to tackle those issues. I don't want to be the pastor. I don't want to believe the believer that hides in the corner that when someone says, you know, hey, Jeremiah, what do you think about abortion? What do you think about poverty? What do you think about these issues that I'm not like, uh, 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 I got to go right now, <laughs> right? I want to boldly proclaim the truth of God's word because man, this is a scary time that we're living in. And again, it's not just American culture. It's the world. I mean, it's whatever. And our country is heading in a very anti-God direction. And we want this thing to turn around, right? So, hey, guys, I hope that you will live counter culture to the things of this world and that you will live boldly 
the gospel of Jesus Christ each and every day. This is the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. I will talk to you next time.